Welcome to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast. My name is Namrata Bagaria and I'm your host. My guest today is Anona Kosmak. Welcome, Anona. Thanks, Nam, for having me. So Anona is an artist and she's also a disability support worker. So Anona, as you know, this podcast is about Health 4.0 Leadership and Ecosystem. Can you tell our listeners where are you in the ecosystem and what are your top three mandates? So as far as the ecosystem goes, right now I'm a support worker in a group home agency. Um, so that means I work with people with developmental disabilities, um, adults typically, um, but I do work in the school wards as well. And I support them with their daily acts of living. Uh, I provide care. Um, that's medical and advocacy supports as well. So we go with them to the doctor's office and things like that. Um, but we also teach life skills is a big part of what we do. So we're teaching them how to make healthy meals, how to keep track of your sleep, how much exercise should you get. And um, yeah, so those three main things are our mandates so we can support them being healthy and happy individuals. Mm -hmm. And so in your journey so far, what were your top three learnings? What did you learn as a takeaway and how are you proceeding with it? Well, to be honest, I think one of the um, misconceptions I had from people with disabilities going into, like while I was doing my schooling, is I had this idea that they were all very innocent and um, childlike. And since working in the field, I realized there's a lot, like just like regular human beings or abled people or whatever, um, there's so much more depth to these individuals than we often assume. Like a lot of the stereotypes that, that they get labeled with are really unfounded. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that a lot of my own internalized ableism has been tackled since working through the field and understanding um, the stories that I had around my own internal ableism. Like if I were disabled, that would be the worst possible thing that could happen was the story that was running where in fact a lot of the people who are living with different disabilities are really happy healthy contributing individuals and it's it's the ableism that labels us as like if that were me I would be unhappy and unfulfilled whereas a lot of these individuals live really fulfilling impactful lives um, and it's the the society models that make give them those barriers to challenge it's not actually necessarily the disability themselves mm -hmm. so uh now coming from health 4.0 angle and I've, we've had a little chat before it's the integration of digital digital tools devices or digital transformation and the regular system present system if you want to say so how do you see this integrating in, in the work you do? So what is your vision of Help 4.0 from your experiences and from your workplace? Well, what I'm seeing right now is there's two pronged issues that I find right now we need more technology in. One is booking transportation. So the current in Ottawa, we have a paratranspo system mm -hmm. um, and they only recently switched over to have some online capacities to um, make rides and uh, book them. So rather than having something like 
Uber, which is, which we use all the time, and it's you know technologically advanced. You can order the the ride on demand. Paratransport rides have to be booked 24 hours in advance, and they're for a set time. So you would be picked up at four, like to go somewhere, and then at eight o'clock on the dot, you have to be back to go on your way. You can't. There's no flexibility or a wiggle room. So. Um, one of the things I would like to see in the disability world is to have a technology where individuals with disabilities can book vans or rides that they need with a flexible basis. Um, so that's one of the areas of technology that I think would be really helpful. And then another area where I think technology would really excel is um, accessing repairs for um, accessibility devices. So right now during the pandemic, um, individuals who use mobility aids cannot access repairs for their devices because the offices are closed. So typically the way it works is a individual will make a request for repair through their worker through the disability office. But because of the pandemic, they're working like less. So there's less workers to process these requests. So rather than having an online forum where you could just put in the request and take out that middleman and go straight to the repair person and make the request or make the request for the new device that's paid for, um, all of these repairs have been stalled, which of course is a huge issue. Like if your battery is dead on your wheelchair and you need a new one, suddenly you're not able to do your daily acts of living really and it's a very big inconvenience um and then the other way technology i think could that i've seen is really cool and helpful but there's room for improvement in is communication technologies um so there are applications that we use for nonverbal individuals so individuals that don't use verbal speech or talk maybe they make a few words or sounds but they're not making full sentences um whether by choice or because they have something like dysphagia or something like that um there's applications like proloco to go or Dynavox, which are like online applications that you can set up to be individual and uh, it's like a robot voice. But these applications cost upwards of $500 to get and you need an iPad or tablet to use them on. Like the $500 is an extra charge just for the application. Um, so I would like to see in a Health 4.0 world that those technologies become open source and able to be created at a lower cost to the individual and have more customizability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These are good, these are good points. And in fact, the things that you mentioned are not even health 4.0, they're like health 2.0 for that matter. But it's interesting that the movement of integrating digital, which has got this impetus post COVID-19. Mm. And, and the way the gaps that you mentioned are so strong and so appalling. And it's, it's, it's hard to imagine. And I'm not saying that there's a perfect system that exists, but I think there's a lot of reason. I see approaching this as a customer service rather than something that you are reimbursing because once you get in the customer service mindset, you're going to be more efficient in your service delivery. 
you know. Totally. And I, right now, the way a lot of programs work, because they're federal programs, which are not in the service mindset, they're more bureaucratic. Mm-hmm. I think that becomes one of the big hampers. Or hamp- yeah, like I'm lost of the word, but this is like a big obstacle. Yes. Because there are so many paperwork that it has to go through to get approved and reimbursed and, and, and then vice versa. And, yeah, so, the process is very slow with a lot of tape. And like for paratransport, something as simple as booking a ride to go somewhere, um, for the individuals I've supported, I've been on hold on the phone for two plus hours. Wow. Like we would never accept that if it was for any other group of individuals other than people with disabilities. You know, can you imagine waiting two plus hours on the phone for a taxi or an Uber? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not something that we do, but it's something people with disabilities have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And coming to these uh, these uh, vision and that you've mentioned, what do you think are the obstacles in adopting this vision? And where do you think are the opportunities or the motivations to adopt this? Well, I think the the challenges or barriers is that not a lot of people or able-bodied people typically are aware of these issues or not that they don't care, but they don't understand the, the depth of the issues that these people have to face with on a daily basis. Yes, there's the actual physicality of the disability or the intellectual part of the disability, but really what are the barriers is the way the society is set up there's a lot of small things that really demonstrate how ableist our society can be and it's not accessible for just having the people with the disabilities advocate for themselves constantly like in any civil rights movement the movement hasn't progressed because you know, one group has cared about it, or the group affected has cared about it. It's the change happens when all groups care about it. Mm -hmm. I think right now there's a lack of awareness of the realities of people with disabilities. Um, And I also think that right now our, our governments haven't um, put the emphasis on this as being an important issue. So we're not seeing necessarily as much innovation or research heading into those areas. Um, And in a lot of ways, people with disabilities have been left out of the conversations, um, whether it's policy or creating something like that. Like um, even something as simple on like a weight loss app, not having uh, an option where you have an ileostomy bag um, just, just be like, I don't maybe necessarily get my nutrients through like eating food with my mouth. Maybe I get them through a tube. Maybe I can only consume this. Like how would, how would I lose weight or gain weight um, if I'm tube fed? What would that look like in an application? Um, so there's lots of like little changes that we just don't see the representation of or the option for. Um, even in like dating apps, I've only come across one dating app where you can, um, identify as a person with a disability and say like, these are my access needs if you want to date me. 
Um, and that's not something like Tinder or Bumble would think about to, to write about. Um, so the motivation for tackling these issues is um, we want to make, or I want to make, <laughs> um, the world more accessible and friendly for people with disabilities. Because frankly, we are missing out on a lot of value that they bring to our lives, a lot of really interesting, in-depth perspectives. And um, because they've had to deal with so many different barriers, they have a unique perspective in handling a lot of the problems that we're seeing. Um, and as a group of individuals, the resiliency and compassion that I see or have seen and witnessed from them is just such a gift to be a part of. So motivation, get more people with disabilities in spaces um, and any kinds of spaces, more people with disabilities at poetry readings, at concerts, at uh, conferences, the whole bit. Um, and the other so other than the moral motivation to, to get them in, um, I also really think that it will, the kind of research that we would do when we think about people with disabilities um, would help us all in the long term. Um, because frankly, as we age, we eventually reach a point where we will become some form of disabled, whether it's our eyes, our ears, our mobility, age is the great equalizer, and we all get to a point where we are going to, we will benefit from access needs. If the world is made to be accessible, we are all going to benefit from that. Um, there's this one comic that's kind of hits from it, and it's a picture of um, outside of a school, and the school is, there's snow on the stairs and on the ramp. And the janitor is telling the child with a wheelchair that he needs to shovel the stairs so that the children can get in. And the child says, but if you shovel the ramp, we can all get in. So it's this understanding of the more we improve our accessibility needs and the more research we do in how to make um, our lives as humans easier and have more technology to support us as we age which is inevitable we will all be some form of dis disabled um then overall the it, it benefits us all to do this it is worthwhile to help us all through this accessibility research that's excellent it's 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 funny you mentioned this because one of my next guests is Sienna Trigiani, who's going to also be at the summit. Uh, Sienna is a tech trainer with CNIB, and she's visually impaired since birth. She got into the world of technology, I think, a few years ago, and now she trains people how to use iPhone, iPad, whatnot, um, like regular screen readers. And uh, she's bringing in this perspective. In fact, she's the next person I'm going to be interviewing. So it's, it's not by design but it just happens that the interviews are so aligned and they're going to be released in the same week and um, if you want to hear such conversations people you're going to be at health 4.0 where you'll meet sienna and anona will also be there and anona can you tell our listeners what will you be doing at the summit 
Well, I've been graciously invited to design and draw some of the concepts that are being shared. So as the conversations are happening, I'm going to be capturing all those golden nuggets that are going to be dropped throughout the conversations through artistic form. And I believe those will be made available to guests after the fact. So you'll have yeah. some visuals to remember all the goodies you get. Awesome. And if you want to know more about us, you can check us out on health4.tech. And if you want to see Anona's amazing artwork, Anona, can you give your coordinates? For sure. So my main platform right now is Instagram, which is Anona, A-N-O-N-A underscore art fuel a-r-t-f-u-e-l and i'm very close to 700 followers and i would really love you if you joined me over there where you can see all the beautiful stuff i make and uh, my dms are always open for conversations about disability and art awesome thank you anona have a wonderful day you too